you should be able to understand on the 31st or 30th of any month what your revenue next month guaranteed is and then be able to budget, allocate resources and work toward goals with that that in mind, which is not only a safety net, but just a better way to mm-hmm. do business. Awesome, Scott. Thanks so much for coming on today. I'm glad we finally got to do this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Going to touch on some stuff that I think is really in the works for the industry and going to change a lot. So for the people who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, tell us who you are. Yeah, and, so uh, my name is Scott with. Pashley. I am an investor and chief growth officer in Bull Now, which is my first real foray into the entertainment and bowling industry. But I've got a background in SaaS membership and software. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk memberships. But first, I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe the memberships you've done in the past. I mean, you've built two pretty large companies that have you know, had some exits in two different uh, niches or industries and largely on the back of memberships. So give us a, just a quick you know, brief overview. Sure. Yeah. So like. back in the day, the early 2000s, when I was just a young buck working in the gym space, a company came about called Global Fit, which if you've ever gotten a discount to a gym or a reimbursement from your company or an insurance company, that's Global Fit on the back end. And they really might've been the first marketplace ever where my good friend, John Cassidy had the idea of let me aggregate gyms and then go to insurance companies and Fortune 500 companies and say, look, you know, it's better if your employees are healthy. If a gym's 60 bucks, we're going to bill your employees 52. We're going to turn around to give the gym 48, $49. And so, you know, like in that way, gyms were reaching gainfully employed people and the gym for their part, they had a zero acquisition cost. So it was a win for everybody. So essentially the first time that I can think of, and I could be wrong, where, you know, people were connecting business and a network of something. And the something in this case was gyms. And I can recall because the gym industry had just gone through this idea of we're going to bill annually and it's 360 bucks and people would come in and put 360 bucks on our desk and we'd Mm. push it back and say, no, give us 30 because we wanted the monthly recurring revenue to you know, it just strengthens you to get loans, to be able to buy new gyms or buy new equipment. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it is a steady, predictable income. And, you know, but the problem at that point was more people had newspaper subscriptions than basic cable. So the idea of asking for 30 bucks a month was yeah. a really big ask. They had their mortgage, their car, their newspapers, and those were the subscriptions. So we were able to really help hmm. change the mindset of an entire industry to, you know, the predictable recurring revenue model was the way to go. And I can't think of any gym in the world now that is a pay per visit. You know, that's just not the way. It's- right. Yeah. Other than like a guest or day pass. That's it. You might do something like that. But yeah, other than that, pretty much. And everyone's going to that. Right. That as a matter of fact, me, Scott Kaplan and John Cassidy, the co-founders of Everwash, we, we were sitting around in downtown Philly one day where we all lived. And, you know, Scott brought up the idea of, hey, all we know is membership and really, you know, not even membership, just the idea of recurring revenue and how are we getting more lifetime value? That's really the way that we've begun to think about this is how do we calculate, extend, yeah. understand and improve the lifetime value of our customers? And so it's really about creating a lifeline to them. And Scott Kaplan brought up the idea of, hey, you know, the gym industry 
and the car wash industry are very similar, very high fixed costs, very low variable costs. It's right for membership. And now I think it's yeah. not where gyms necessarily are, but you have trouble driving down a street without seeing a, a car wash that's offering some kind of monthly unlimited membership. So it's really that idea of how do we make revenue more predictable, which is what we ended up loving about Bull Now when we were introduced to Dan and we right. were running the largest car wash network in the world and a hundred million dollar company. And this young guy walks into our headquarters through a different relationship and says, you know, I'm trying to make revenue more predictable through reservations and ultimately creating a lifeline to the customer through customer management that really we began to think the bowling industry is really similar to the gym industry and the car wash industry. There is a, mm -hmm. there was a problem. There was a lack of knowledge of who the customer is, a lack of a lifeline or a communication channel to him and a really unpredictable revenue model. And we right, like, this is our next mm -hmm. industry. Bowling should have a predictable revenue stream, a lifeline to the customer. And you should be able to understand on the 31st or 30th of any month, what your revenue next month guaranteed is, and then be able to budget, allocate resources and work toward goals with that, that in mind, which is not only a safety net, but just a better way to mm -hmm. do business. Yeah. And I think maybe, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, then they would have had the answer to that would have set when leagues, right? We have the steady um, people who come in every week, 30 weeks out of the year, 36, whatever it is. But as more and more centers move towards that open play FEC model, that's becoming less and less prevalent and nothing has been able but to kind of I think you're gap. totally right. Like I was shocked when we began to do our due diligence on getting into the bowling industry. And, you know, like immediately it was attractive to us because of the similarities between the other industries where we've grown really large networks. I was really surprised that even the successful operators didn't have a way other than a paper tickler system to notify people that their birthday is coming up and that there's option for bowling. Or are right. you getting a net promoter score or, or managing reputation? Or are you getting people to refer people? I mean, we got to the point in the car wash industry where of the hundreds of thousands of members, millions ultimately have come through our system, 30% come through member referral, mm -hmm. vehicle add-on, meaning getting more revenue, more lifetime value per household, or win back. So we had a lifeline to say, you left, come back. And in in bowling, that was really absent. And, and a big part of that is sort of what you're talking about, this evolution of oh, yeah. bowling away from leagues. And I think, you know, it, it's sort of, Forrest, it speaks to me a little bit, and I'd be curious to your thoughts of, you know, there there is more indirect competition for the leisure consumer dollar now than there was when people were in leagues with work and everything. Now they've got other things to sort of spend their money on, whether it be Netflix or miniature golf mm -hmm. or something else. But, you yeah. know, that idea of a direct line to recurring predictable revenue is disappearing. And there's good and bad about that. But that's just the facts of the world. And how do we replace that? And it's really by creating customer management and understanding how are you getting more people, not just bowling, but those people that are bowling, how are you getting into bowl more often? That's why our new tagline is obsessed with more people bowling more often. It's both things. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we ran the numbers for Midway and a few other centers and the average like open play type customer only yeah. comes in twice every three years. But one and a half times a year, it's just not that many. Whereas how hard would it be to get them to come in one or two extra times? And how huge of a increase in business would that be just for that? Think about that, right? So, so 
we've we are in the process of not just collecting the data for everybody that makes a reservation or comes into your bowling center through different means but collecting what we call the anonymous bowler you've got five people in a party traditionally it's been maybe you have the information for tom who booked the reservation but for the other four people in tom's party they they remain completely anonymous we found a way to stop that to gather their information and put them into a flow so if you know like if we can get tom to bowl once more a year that's huge you've doubled your revenue on tom but if we can get jane joe mm -hmm. mark and tim who were part of tom's party to also bowl once more you know what is that original reservation right. worth it's worth a heck of a lot more so mm -hmm. really just the, yeah, the network, yeah, effect. network effect right so we're focused on on a couple of things. There is the network effect, which is this becomes more valuable when more people are engaged in this sort of like the telephone was worth two things when you had, mm -hmm. you know, Alexander Graham Bell and his assistant answering the phone. That was two. the moment you got one more phone yeah. out there, it became three, one more phone becomes six, right? So, so it really multiplies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then there's really the referral yeah, effect the, of mm -hmm. how do we multiply our one bowler into multiple bowlers? And then I really think that the network effect comes in when we find a way to connect these people and make it beneficial. And that might be something like membership, which we're really interested in the bowling space. But it's really first about how are we collecting data, creating a line of communication to get them to bowl more often, proving they're bowling more often, and really attaching revenue to that. And, and then we can get much more scientific with it. But right now, it's just basically about, you know, Let's get more people in your door. Let's get them to use it more often. Yeah. So I guess, you know, step one is, all right, let's get past just having like a spreadsheet or, you know, handwritten sheets of, of league people where you, you don't do anything with the contacts. And now we can actually start to talk to them because I think, um, you know, a, a lot of times we, we, we don't really realize it, but we're very habitual in our leisure activities. We probably go, most of us go to the same three or four restaurants in rotation and if you're off that list, you're just, you don't really exist outside of that once in a while, two times every three years. But if you can get them in the habit of putting them in that short list, now you got someone coming in, you know, once a month. And that's how much more you, you talk about lifetime value. How much more is that person worth than the person who comes in? That's it, right? Years? Is understanding your audience. And I think that lifetime value terminology is something we carried from the gym industry into the car wash industry and we're carrying it. I don't know how prevalent it really is in the bowling or entertainment industry, but carrying that lifetime value and actually databasing this person, being able to look at all their purchases through history, be able to look at the communications they opened. Do they open text message more than they open email? Are they the type of person who is going to be referring people? Can we ask them for a net promoter score, meaning sad face to happy face? And when they put the happy face, ask them to do a review. So how are we holistically helping your business, not just through the immediate revenue generation from that person and the four other people he booked for? That's massive. But also, can we get you 50 or so five-star Google reviews, which are going to change how the market perceives you when they Google bowling near me? And then how do we own the SEO and drive you and bowl mm -hmm. now to the top so that it's the bowl now participating centers that are really the ones that are benefiting from bowling center near me or bowling near me. Right. Yeah. So just a matter of connecting, like, like you said, the lifeline is just starting from somewhere because they, they don't have any connection to a lot of these people. Like you guys brought up a great question the other day of how many bowlers come in through your center each year? And it's probably tens or hundreds of thousands, depending on the volume of your center. And how many of those people do you actually have their emails? 
And of those people who you have their emails, how many of them get something from you on a regular basis? And of those, who actually opens it? I bet you, you know, it's, it's less than, you know, 0.1% in, in the grand scheme. And how much are we missing? That's it. Like, that you know, moving people between lists. Here's our engaged list. Here's our prime targets. And how are we going to get the most? Really, nothing of like, how are we getting the most out of them? How are we making our fun more accessible to them? And that's really where info gathering starts, right? So we actually put a sticky banner to make reservations, a chat bot where you're saying, hey, how do I bowl or, you know, what's the menu? And, and you know, so, mm-hmm. so that chat bot is really about reservations for us, but it's a great customer service aspect because we're centralizing communication for people. And then when we actually put a system in where when you miss a phone call, that's going to you or the front desk as a text. You're, and it's basically saying, hey, sorry, you missed your call. Were you looking to make a reservation? They can reply with something different. Hopefully they're replying with yes. But now we're making your fun more accessible at the very front end, right? The tip of the arrow. Mm-hmm. And then when you think of the rest of it, the sort of shaft and feathers is, you know, how are we using that communication pipeline to get you into the center more often? And at the end, get you to actually bring other people into the center and multiply you as a member. That's really, that's what customer management Mm -hmm. is. It's the understanding of who is my customer, creating a communication medium or multiple mediums, text through the app, potentially through email, different kind of communication avenues that, that allow you to understand your customer. Because like you said, like I can recall living in Philly for 10 years, my wife and I, we had some restaurants and bars that were our favorite spots and other places that we would walk by and simply never visit because we developed a habit, right? Like like you yeah. said, like your leisure time activity exactly. is pretty habitual, but something's got to foster that. That's what we're about, fostering the habit at, mm-hmm. at your bowling center as opposed to somebody else's entertainment type of center. Yeah, I don't think it takes too much. I mean, one good experience they come in, they're like, how can we don't do this more often? And then they don't remember that for another, you know, 18 months when they do it to the next time when they're like, how come I don't do this more often? They think that every time, every 18 months, all you got to do is get them in two or three times in a row and you can make that, that happen. That's it, it right? So uh, we've got dozens of centers that are successfully using our reservation platform, but we um, put out a $250 promotion saying somebody's going to win 250 bucks who makes a reservation in both within the next two weeks. We just put that out recently. We're talking about hundreds of reservations, thousands of dollars to bowling centers, just through saying, hey, you bowled. It's been a little bit. Why don't you bowl again? Somebody's going to win some money, right? We put that out of our own pocket just to prove the concept that having that lifeline actually does get people to bowl more often. And it doesn't take much to really develop a habit. Like if you look, what you're talking about as far as the average usage for a person in a, a leisure setting, whether it be bowling or something else, but particularly bowling in this case is, you know, one to three times a year, you're like real lucky. Um, if we look at what the car wash industry was across a lot more car washes, 64,000, but it was very similar. It was 3.2. Like we've been able to drill down in that industry to almost a science of 3.2 uses per year. When we look, the average member is using it about 3.2 times a month, right? So what we've done is taking consumers, mm-hmm. turned them into habitual users through, through some kind of offer. In that case, it's membership. It doesn't always need to be. But what we've done is created a situation where 
they're a habitual user paying us recurring monthly revenue. We know what we're getting from them. We know how often they're going to use it. It's high fixed cost. It's low variable. Everybody's profiting from it. But that person has a real relationship to that institution, in that case being a car wash. Let's create real relationships to your bowling institutions, your family entertainment institution for these mm -hmm. people through smart communication that turns it into a habit and makes them feel welcome to bring their family to refer their friends and just makes it all right this is the spot i go to on thursday once or twice a month yeah and i want to touch on maybe the like you said the lifeline again one more time because you mentioned earlier about you know and and i've talked about this before about the lifetime value of a, of a customer and it's almost non-existent in the industry no one really talks about that and i don't think it's their fault because of how difficult it is to track that high of a volume of customers coming through. A lot of them are paying cash. You know, they might just buy one thing at one counter, another at another counter. Really hard to track. What excited me about what you guys have is you start to complete that circle, as I call it, where we can see when they came in, we can see what they spent, we can start to know who they are, and then you can get finally get a sense of what that lifetime value is for them through the software tracking it rather than you tracking it. Because let's be honest, a proprietor manually tracking all their customers yeah, and no. what they spend, impossible, never going to happen. But with using like a software or, you know, a database or customer management, as you're calling it, now we can really start to get some insights into that and, and start building it automatically. And that's where you start to get, you know, get exactly like not just that, but understand like there is such thing as pitch fatigue for the person who hasn't used you in a year and you begin to understand, okay, this person's from a different zip code and they used it once when they were traveling or they were here for a birthday party, right? I'm really mm -hmm. understanding a little bit of the science behind what Amazon does and how they communicate to you and all these other companies that you're frequently using. There's a science behind what they're doing, right? So lifetime value may never mm -hmm. be, you know, like unless we're talking about a specific recurring revenue model. It may never be able to be boiled down to a science, but there are things that we've understood as we built these models in the gym and car wash industry that you can begin to understand what is the persona of a frequent user and then what's the communication flow to them versus what is the occasional user. And there's sort of that, you know, like anybody who's a salesperson understands there's a nurturing cycle and there are different flows and stages to an opportunity, but you communicate to these people differently. And that's mm -hmm. what we need to understand as an industry is what's the right way to nurture somebody along to get them to the, to adopt the behaviors that we want them to adopt. And it may not always be the same. We may understand this person is a birthday person, right? And we, they've done, they've got three kids and they've done birthdays with us for four years in a row for two different kids. They're going to do that third kid, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like let's build a model for that. Right. Whereas this guy is a league bowler who never does anything but league bowling. Okay, we understand there's a way to communicate to him. He'll be annoyed if you're talking to him about birthdays mm -hmm. and, and St. Patty's Day bowling, right? But there's a person St. Patty's Day bowling right. is right. And it's sort of building this science exactly. behind how are we increasing lifetime value based off of knowledge of a persona and knowledge of each individual. Like everybody is different, but we can sort of say, here's what we predict that it is going to happen based off of this communication and, and do a little testing and figure out whether we're right. But, you know, you know but ultimately what we can't do is simply say we had 10,000 people to reference the number you said in our door and 
good luck. Let's see what happens with those 10,000 people in the next couple months. Right. 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 Exactly. Yeah. How are you supposed to create profiles of these people if you have no information on them? It all starts with how do you easily capture the information and track it over you know the course of, of thousands of customers? And the only way to, to, to reasonably do that is through a, a software like what you guys have, especially if you can add the purchase component too, because then you get to see the transaction. You can actually start to calculate yeah. how much they're spending. And, and that's where, you know, for right. Me, like, and that's why for us, you know, like we started out as a reservation company, but what we realized was there's a real need in this industry for the customer management portion of this to help people understand how we're getting the most out of every single customer and not to treat every single customer exactly the same. And so we've gone through this evolution of great, you know, you're happy with the reservation system. We believe we're the best. That might be a biased opinion, but you know, it is a painful thing to switch a reservation company. We can take over the communication component of any reservation system, or if you're using other system to gather, you know, contact information from Wi-Fi or however else for summer bowling programs, you're gathering contact information. It doesn't matter to us. We can be agnostic in a sense of let us level, let us leverage our expertise and understanding how we're going to get people not just in your door more often, but, you know, and not just new people in your door, but a combination of those. Let's get new people in. And from the very beginning of the relationship, let's manage it right. And then get them to use your center two to eight, six to 10 times a year makes a massive difference to any proprietor, whether you're a mom and pop or you're a chain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I forget exactly what the number is, but it's something like six times easier to get someone to come back than to come in for the first time. So why, you know, why wouldn't you just focus on that? That's it, right? It, you know, it feels to me, and, you know, yeah, Forrest and Craig, I'm wrong, but there are good companies doing a really good job of getting people in the door like BAM. There's nobody saying, how are we getting you in the door more often, right? And it's six times easier, right? Mm -hmm. So so do what you need to do and we right. can help you with getting people in the door. But the bowling industry is not doing a terrible job of that. I mean, that's actually a growing number because of, services like yours, but mm -hmm. what are we doing for the thing that's six times easier, right? I mean, you know, that's right. it. like that's exactly. where you're missing revenue is. hundred mm percent. -hmm. And so I'd like to switch gears a little bit to focus maybe on the membership side. I know this is something you guys are still working on, but I'd love to hear from someone who's, you know, really scaled memberships in two different industries, how you guys are approaching it, maybe some thoughts or how you guys are planning to structure it. Like, you know, how do, I think the person who cracks this nut stands to really benefit once this is instituted. Because I've talked to a few different clients of mine. They want to do something like that. I feel the need is there, but no one has quite figured it out. Yeah. How are you guys um, going to figure it out? It's funny. I can remember being a teenager. I'm maybe in my early 20s. I'm dating myself. But in the early 2000s, when, as I mentioned earlier, this idea of you're moving from paid in full with a gym to monthly membership. That was the biggest challenge ever, because like I said, more people had newspaper subscriptions than basic cable. So asking them for 30 bucks a month, monstrous. But mm -hmm. when you look now, that's the way the industry is. And, you know, so as we entered the car wash industry, we heard the same thing. This is not going to happen. People aren't going to pay for this. This is a commoditized thing where they're going to go to any of the other car washes. They're looking for price. And, you know, you can drive down any main street in your town and realized that assumption was wrong, right? So we, we've been able to crack the code in two industries where we were told we couldn't crack the code. So there, I think that we're, right. I, I believe that we've cracked the code in the bowling industry. And what we're talking about is 
a a a nominal amount so a, so a smaller amount of money for a higher credit right whereas it's unlimited when we're talking about those two other industries i think we can evolve to that in the bowling industry but we firmly believe that the model is something like 895 or $20 in credit. And me as a, you know, the reason part of why we thought of this was I was actually bowling with my wife and my two daughters and we really enjoyed it. And I'm thinking I would do this more often, but I never receive a communication, right? I, so I never think of it. It's mm -hmm. not front of mind. A giant part of, exactly, of yeah. success of recurring revenue is, it's front of mind. And a big part of that is I made some kind of investment in this. So asking for a small investment of $8.95 for a $20 credit, something along those lines that we can manage inside of our customer management program and a bowling provider never needs to think about it. It's just happening. And now, you know, in the first of the month, I'm getting X revenue. And if it's used, if it's not, but I think one of the giant differences and advantages that the bowling industry has over both the gym industry and car wash industry where we built millions upon millions of members is there's a fear in those industries of overuse, right? Like if you're a car wash might only cost a buck 50 or buck 25 to happen. But if you do it on a $20 mm -hmm. membership, 20 times, there's a Delta there that is in the negative and gyms. Yeah. If everybody shows up, you know, there's only so many elliptical machines and treadmills, right? Whereas exactly yeah. in the bowling industry, you want to incentivize attendance because they're buying beer, they're buying food. My kids, my kids are going to use mm -hmm. the crane machine until it breaks, right? That's just how it is. So, you know, <laughs> you're going to get right. a lot more revenue out of me. The magic of a bowling or family entertainment center is when you're in the door, it's almost like going to a baseball game. You're spending so much more than that ticket price, right? I mean, it's why minor right. league baseball mm -hmm. is willing to give tickets away for free. They're making money off of everything else. So this is a different model based off of what I just sort of internally am calling the attendance benefit. There is an attendance benefit that is 20 to $30 per person. So even if you're deeply discounting to gain that recurring revenue, the benefit of them showing up is exponential. I mean, it is just Massive, and it's different than mm -hmm. nearly any industry that I can think of where your product consumption is costly, whether you're Netflix, right? The reason why Netflix cut back on you sharing accounts is product consumption is costly. It's the opposite in this right. industry. Product consumption is a benefit. It is almost insane. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the more they come in and use it, the more they spend with you, yeah. the higher their, you know, their- it, you uh, know, it really flips the recurring mm -hmm. revenue model concept on its head. I mean, there is no drawback to somebody mm -hmm. walking in your doors as opposed, as opposed to the vast majority yeah, of industries. Do. You're only going to get more revenue from them. Right. Yes. If they used it every single day, you'd be over the moon. Well, that's it. Yeah. It only helps you. I love that. And so you guys are doing like a $20 credit in like bowling for eight ninety five or something a month. And then just knowing that the gross margin on bowling is obviously very, you know, good. It doesn't really cost you much other than a little electricity and maybe a front desk person. And then that's, that is that's the, model the model currently. currently. And we're open to all kinds of models. So we're talking to, you know, uh, uh, dozens and dozens of bowling operators every month and trying to understand what they perceive as a recurring revenue mm -hmm. model. Uh, start at one place, evolved to another. Mm -hmm. But I think that 
you know, we are open to different models, but we've tested this model and it really does work to the point where we're getting, and you know, you, you mentioned earlier, how do you understand the lifetime value? Well, when you've got somebody on a recurring revenue, they've got to go into a system that we built and say, I'm reserving this hour for bowling as part of my membership. When they do that, we know they did it twice a month or three times or once every two months. So now we're drilling down and truly understanding mm -hmm. what is their usage and ascribing a value to that, whether that's their direct payments or their, right. their spending in different profit centers, we're at least able to extrapolate what is the average visitor worth to a bowling center and begin to develop the science that we've got in the gym and car wash industry and that Netflix and HBO and Disney have when it comes to their stuff. We can build this in our industry. It's not that difficult. And I mean, the nice part about that is, is as you track the usage and you build some numbers and a little bit of a track record behind it to know, like, if they're on this membership, here's how many more times they come in, here's how much they're worth to us, here's what the, the profit is on that. You could adjust the offer to be better if you know that the numbers support it and then just sign up more members, right? So if you know they come in, hey, if they do sign up for this, they're going to come in five times a month. I know I make this much. I can make an even more attractive offer because I know- That's it, that's, right? So- you know, like if you equate that to the car wash industry, like we we had honed in on a price point to where now it's a science. And it's a science across the entire industry of you've got three car wash packages, meaning you got three, you have the, you know, sil bronze, silver, gold, and it's $8, $12.15. The model is it's $1 above the bottom level. So it's eight, it's a $17 membership, a little more than two washes. In the middle, it is even at the top, it's $1 better than twice, right? So you make a really good point in the fact that we can, the more usage we get on any particular model, the more data we have to understand what the perfect model is. I think we've hit on something really important and really valuable and, mm -hmm. and it's going to work, but there, there will always be fine tuning to understand what is the consumer appetite, where is the threshold and how do we end up pricing this, even moving 50 cents around can really change their behavior drastically and mm -hmm. then honing in on that, drilling it down. And it might be different, you know, it might be different in Brooklyn, New York than it is for us in Carlisle, PA, yeah. because the just consumer economics are different. But again, it all comes down to tracking and having the data, right? There's a real lack of data it. in this industry that we can solve <laughs> and, literally yeah. with the flip of a button. Like mm -hmm. you, we adopt your previous mm -hmm. customer database we communicate to them properly. We stratify them in a way that is indicative of their usage and their behaviors. And then we amplify that to take the most opportune group, turn them into four to eight time bowlers. We take the less opportune group, turn them into two to four. And now you're still benefiting because the average usage is one to two, right? So how do we amplify usage based off of consumer right. behavior, which is something that we've done in two other industries. and Actually, when you factor in our consulting group, we have done it in the cable industry, really understanding how you get more people to watch Game mm. of Thrones than something else. Right. That, yeah, that's really cool. So yeah, let, let's pivot because I know we're, we're coming up to time. The last thing is just kind of where you see things going. So I mean, obviously, membership is going to be part of the data. What do you see as the vision for Bow now, you know, maybe 18 months from now? Where do you see you guys providing the most value for your customers and how are you guys going to get you know, more yeah. bowlers bowling? So I off? think let's start with getting more bowlers. If we look back at the history of what we've done in the gym industry and working with Fortune 500 companies and your insurance company, 
you're now used to the idea that your insurance company or employer is giving some kind of reimbursement for gym visits or or some kind of discount because it's the right kind of behavior you want them to adopt. So we learned from that. We moved into the car wash industry. We worked with T-Mobile Tuesday, over a thousand car washes, got 35,000 members in three days to join, right? So first off, we are going to be the first uh, marketplace for people who think in the way that you think, where am I ordering food from? And you're going to Grubhub or Uber Eats. We've achieved that in two industries, right? So now we want people to eventually go to Bull mm. now, but the first thing we'll do is own SEO and make it so when you mm. search bowling near me, it's us who are popping up. You're number one if you're um, And then yeah. once you're in the door, yeah, right? See, That's yeah. sort of the magic is we are going to understand how we become the place that when you say, I want to bowl, it's one of the centers that are affiliated with, with us. And we're only going to take a buck of that. You know, right. They're going to make a $100 reservation. Give us a buck. Right. So, and so then when it comes to getting people to bowl more often, so we're making bowling more accessible and we're doing that through a marketplace. But then when we work directly with somebody, even with a different reservation system, we'll put a sticky banner that we've done a lot of research on and how it works. And then a chat bot and then a missed call text asking them if they want a reservation. So making, making mm -hmm. your things that aren't necessarily generated through us more beneficial. They know your number. They called you. How are we making fun? So, so mm -hmm. creating interest, making fun more accessible. And then once they're in the door, understanding and stratifying them based on behavior and getting them to adopt more usage, spend more money at your center, understanding lifetime value and potentially even tying them into your center with some kind of loyalty play. And to me, to be clear, the only loyalty play is membership. If you're asking somebody for, I'm going to give you a discount on your 10th bowling session. When is that going to happen? Right. That leaves you completely right. yeah. blind. <laughs> 20, 20 years by the, by the typical math. That's it. 20 years. Literally the only loyalty play in the world is membership, right? So, you know, how do we tie mm -hmm. these people to us with a communication tether, understand their behavior, begin to communicate to them more in a more sophisticated way as we evolve to adopt the behaviors we want. And clearly the, the behavior is lifetime value, right? It's all about, you know, we will help you get them in the door. If they come through a different means and they land on your website, we're making fun more accessible. And then once they're in your door, we are communicating to them in a really sophisticated fashion to generate more lifetime value. Yeah, no, I love it. I mean, you guys are really kind of bringing things to the next level and into the future. And I think you guys are the right ones to do it because you know you have a track record of doing it multiple times. Well, thank you. I appreciate so that. We're looking forward to sort of mm -hmm. helping, you know, there's a lot of good stuff happening in this industry. It's modernizing. I think in the same way that we've done with a couple mm -hmm. other industries, we can really help this modernize in a different sense that that sort of a rising tide raises all ships. We don't care whose reservation system you have, what you're doing. I, I believe that working together, we can continue this trend of people bowling more often, people engaging in family entertainment centers more often and help all of our ships rise with the tide. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So if people are listening to this and they're thinking, hey, you know, that sounds pretty good. I would love to start getting more information on my customers. Membership sounds interesting. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you guys? Or at least yeah. So they can uh, go to joinballnow.com is really the best way to get a little picture of what we're about. And just, we're happy to always talk and, you know, it, it, 
I think one of the main reasons why I invested in this company and this industry was Dan Mowry. So Dan owns two bowling centers. And one of the things I've always loved about being on a call with Dan is that he spends probably, if we have an hour call scheduled, he's probably giving advice for 20 to 30 minutes because he's a young guy who has built, you know, two bowling centers from a couple hundred thousand to well over a million. So, like, yeah. you know, nobody is completely altruistic. We are looking to be your provider, but I haven't found anybody in the industry better at giving just pure advice to bowling center operators than Dan Mallory. Yeah, he's yeah he's done all. He grew up in the industry, and he he really knows yeah, how to run a center. I agree. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, so much for coming on, Scott. This this has been uh, really fun, really you know exciting vision you guys have. I think you guys are going to make a. I really appreciate you having us. I love your show. So happy to be on anytime. Thank you. You got. Thanks, it. man. Yeah, we'll catch up soon.